We are back, baby. We are back. That's we right. are back. You are looking live. We get after it. You know, we jabber jaw, we go tit for tat, we have our little differences. Let's get funky like a monkey. And here we go. Hello and welcome to the Moose and Runes podcast. This episode 66 of the pod joined by Matthew Rooney. I am Joe Musso. Uh, we got a little little curveball coming at you today. Nothing crazy, but uh, we're going to hit heavy segments today. Um, rather than uh, coming at you in the normal format, we want to get into some topics in a different way. So without further ado, I bring in uh, Garfield himself, Matthew Rooney. I uh, I hope you're having a fantastic morning, and I hope you're ready to talk some sports, man. Oh, just a great morning. I'm talking sports with you. I got some sports on TV. It's just a sports-centric morning, Joan. I'm glad to do some segments. I feel like we always have some fun with those. Yeah, we definitely do. We got some good mailbag this week. We're going to do a lot of buy or sell. Before we get into it, we got our first look at the Bears, so we got to get... Give our give our thoughts on that. Exactly. We didn't sort of. really get our first look at the Bears. We got our first look at the Bears week eight when everybody's hurt. That's what we got to look at. So uh, uh, how do you feel about the Bears' depth, I guess, is the only way to uh, position this question. Well, I guess my biggest takeaway is that um, if anything happens to Mitch Trubisky, yeah, we're in trouble. <laughs> might be in a little bit of trouble. Uh, Chase Daniel wasn't great, but I guess I mean most backup quarterbacks aren't meant to be great. I thought the defense looked fine. Again, they're playing against RG3 and you know not, not much of an offense on the other side, but I thought they did some good things and took the ball away. It wasn't a starting defense, but they were taking a ball, the ball away from a backup offense like they probably should. Um, Benny Cunningham looked like a serviceable third running back, I guess. Mm-hmm. We can go with that. And that's, that's kind of all I have to say. Benny, uh, De- Benny Fowler can't catch a football to save his life, so that was a big free agent signing. That's all I got for you, Joe. Well, yeah, I, I think that you, you hit the nail on the head right off the bat, and it's the fact that uh, Chase Daniel is not, uh, I guess with a small sample size, not exactly what you're looking for in a backup quarterback because if you look at the league and the way things go, there are going to be times when Mitch Trubisky is not mm-hmm. healthy enough to play quarterback for the Chicago Bears. Last year, the Super Bowl champion won with a backup quarterback. You need to be too deep at the quarterback position. I don't know if Chase Daniels uh, is that guy. But we do have to step back and take a moment and applaud Chase Daniels' uh, agent because Chase Daniel has made $24 million throughout his NFL career. He's one and one. Through, through 2019, his contract with the Bears, he will have made $34 million. And he's one and one. Uh, I, I don't have his stats offhand, but I don't know if he's thrown an interception or a touchdown. Or he might have like one touchdown. I, th- I believe he's also got like, one and one or something like that. I'll, 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 I'll one and up. one. Or, but um, to have Chase stood Daniel's behind got one Drew Brees. Okay, so perfect. So really, really the experience you're looking for in a backup quarterback. He's thrown uh, 78 passes in, in his entire career. Yeah, so there's so, that uh, in, in eight he, years or whatever the hell it's been. Um, from from New Orleans to Kansas City, Kansas City to Philly for two years, back to New Orleans for a cup of coffee, and now with the Chicago Bears uh, getting paid $4 million this season and $6 million next season. I guess the one thing I will say is we, we can't be too hard on the guy because it was just a Hall of Fame game. We don't really know who he was playing with, and it's it's preseason and all that. I, I guess while we don't know what he is he on the field. He looks skittish. He looked I, skittish. I don't. I, uh, I don't care if I do it's the th- Hall of Fame game or the backyard enough. backyard football. He didn't look 
I do like think a professional. It, I do think from an off the field, from a quarterback room kind of guy, I do think he's a great fit knowing the offense as well as he does. He's been with Matt Nagy for however long. And might mm-hmm. be a good mentor for, for Mitch, help him, you know, his progress learning the playbook, probably move quicker. But at the same time, yes, I agree with you. That's was hopefully more of a third string quarterback type role, emergency quarterback like Mark Sanchez was last year, not so yeah. much the guy who, who's the next man up. But yeah, it's that's what we think we saw, but at the same time, who knows what happens if and when the time comes where he's got to take a couple snaps in the regular season. We're just going to have to wait and see. Preseason again. Just yeah. doesn't really, as much as we want it to tell us something, it doesn't tell us anything. No, maybe, you know, once you get to game three, game four, um, more, more kind of that, that, that third game, mm-hmm. you start to get an idea, get a look at some guys who are going to be out there playing. Um, so, so, like you said, don't put too much stock into what we've seen. And uh, nor in what we're going to see, because what matters is uh, kickoff on, uh, what is it, September Something. 8th? I think it's September 8th, I believe. Yeah. I think, Dude, 6th, 7th, September, or yeah, the 8th. No, it might yeah, be the September, 9th. Well, September Whatever. 1st is Just college football. Uh, so college be, football. Oh, so the following day. Thursday. No, the, the following Thursday. No, they play Sunday Night Football. Sunday Night Football is the yeah. kickoff? I thought they did the Thursday kickoff. The Bears aren't like the opening kickoff. They're, they're the opening Sunday night game. Oh. Yeah. That's on me, I guess. It's okay. Hand Look, up. That's looking forward to it. Looking forward to it. Clearly. Clearly. Um, but, uh, yeah, as you said, really can't uh, can't get too much out of the preseason. Uh, like I said, last year the intrigue was seeing Trubisky, getting a look at him. This year's the intrigue. This year's intrigue is just stay healthy. Yeah. And um, I that's, think for the most part they did that's that. That's the thing. I was kind of like origi- originally kind of bummed that we didn't get to see any of the ones go out there. I was at least hoping we'd see Mitch trot out there, hand the ball off three times, and then be done for the night. But even then, it just it makes a lot of sense. There's really no ri- there's no reason to have those guys play, even if it is just for three you know, three plays. And I don't get why, if you're in the Hall of Fame game, you you still have to play five preseason games. I think that seems a little bit yeah. unfair and just opens you up more to more to injury. If you play that Hall of Fame game, this upcoming preseason week should be you know an off week, bye week, whatever. Mm-hmm. Bye week, bye week's not an off week. Um, you should you should get that bye week. You should get you uh, know, a one bye week, so you're not basically throwing yourself out there for you know four more quarters, forty eight more minutes, or six I, I more do. minutes. I do agree with that, but uh, Matt, you kind of jogged my memory there uh, with the the bye weeks, not an off week. It's I'm gonna put Joe. you in the. I'm gonna put that. you. I'm gonna put you in the coaching role here. Ooh. You can wear your coaching hat. You're Matt Nagy or your whomever. Uh, are I have much you much better hair than Matt Nagy? You do. Definitely. Are you suiting? Are you suiting up Mitch Trubisky in full knowledge that he is not going to take the field? Like, are, are you the coach that? Are you the helmets and shoulder pads on everybody? I don't care if you're sitting out guy. You or know, are you, for, for are the you Hall more of Fame, comfortable? For the Hall of Fame game, I'm probably saying, you know, everybody let's get dressed up because I do think the Hall of Fame game, to an, to an extent, is more than you know, those guys. I, I, it, I don't want to – it might sound weird that I think it might be like somewhat of a sign of respect to those guys. Like Brian Urlacher, especially having got a guy on your team just to like, hey, let, let's all get in pads. Let's let's be, let's be have the jersey on. Let's wear it proudly, the helmet, all that stuff. But come like week four when Mitch isn't taking a snap, I'm going to say, no, just throw your jumpsuit on. I don't care. I want an earpiece and sweatpants. Yeah. Don't I'd, even, I'd be totally don't even think about getting near the field. Yeah, but yeah. I think on, on Hall of Fame weekend like that, I think I'm okay with the move. Reverence and respect. Yeah. I, I got to give it to you. Got to give it to you, Matt. Uh, any other, Just any other pressing? Off the top of my head, by the way, that was a pretty good answer. I like it. Quickly, 
<laughs> uh, any other pressing topics here before Hall of Fame? Did you see the Urlacher speech? See the highlights? Would you, did you see any of the, the I Hall did. of Fame speeches? I did. People see were, Ray people Lewis were... talked to me like he was a preacher with the with the walking yeah. mic there. He, he had the walking mic. He, the tissue came out at one point that he was waving around. So his jacket uh, was a different color by the end of it. Ray seemed uh, equally as disingenuous as he usually does. God. Um, but uh, I, I really enjoyed Randy Moss's speech. I think Randy kind of stole the show. His hit all the notes. He was um, emotional. He was he was Randy still. You know, there was there was a little flash there. I did see Erlacher's speech and heard his speech, and I think that was the most outspoken we've ever heard Brian. Oh, and, by uh, far. That's not saying that that bar is set too high. You know, he was. He was more of an internal leader. We never really got to see who Brian Urlacher was, the big picture, the full picture. Um, and I think that's what kind of built a bit of a mystique around him, that he's the Bears middle linebacker. I don't really talk. I'm kind of a jerk, and uh, we're going to go win football games. And that's kind of who Brian Urlacher was, and we grew comfortable with that. So to see him talk about some of his teammates and and some of those, those moments, uh, I think that was really cool. Now – we're not going to be giving him any uh, orator awards. Like he's still, he's still not the, uh, he, he's still not the Matt. He, he Matt, got, what do you, he, he what got, got the, going he, on in the? What do you got going on in the background? This is usually my me? your inquiry. Yeah, your inquiry to me usually. I got nothing. I, I feel like someone was just like someone was just rolling a snare drum behind you. Right, what, Joe, I got no idea what you're talking about. You got band practice I, above you. I'm not in a band. I'm hearing an echoing of Freebird in the background a little bit. Maybe I'm blasting Freebird. So what? Yeah, could be, could be. But uh, I was gonna say, as Urlacher you said, probably wouldn't have passed uh, Mr. Arlano's speech class with uh, with no. colors. Erlacher, hey, Erlacher, I, I need I need you to stand up straight. Cotton lips, Max hitting the corners. Uh, <laughs> no, but uh, the coolest thing for me through this whole time with Erlacher has actually been like he's not really so much the speech, but he's made himself much more available than he was during his playing career wait to to interviews and all that stuff he was on espn 1000 a few times i know he did a couple other shows in the area it was just cool to actually again he'll never be the most outspoken you know personable guy but he opened up a little bit kind of during this entire run you kind of got to learn a little bit more about you know the the man in the middle there brian Urlacher, that we like you said we didn't get to know much learn much about during his playing career yeah definitely a little bit of a peek uh behind the veil that uh we we usually did not get with uh, with Big 5-4. So a great moment, a great weekend, and the only disappointment in all of it is that they didn't uh, didn't give Randy his uh, his afro in the bust. Oh, so, I, can they even make that work? Probably, I don't know. That would be a really big a bust. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so. Cornrows uh, probably the, a lot cheaper. He got it right with the cornrows. Urlacher got it right going bald. It was, a, it was a great weekend all around. That was a fun weekend. All right, let's jump into some buy or sell. We're going to do, sure. we're gonna do extended buy or sell. Little bit of mailbag, then we'll shut it down for the people. Love that. Why don't you why don't you kick us off? You're on, you're on uh, your honor. We're just gonna we're just gonna jump all around here. Uh, we're gonna hit a bunch of topics. No order, no uh, no real organization. So uh, let's kick it off with uh, a little bit of college football. Uh, a couple days ago, some comments came out. Jalen Hurts met with the media. He was asked about uh, how he felt of the treatment and his his uh, relationship with the coaching staff throughout the summer, throughout the offseason, and he said he was really disappointed in it. No one came to him, asked what he thought about the situation. No one uh, asked how he was feeling to see how he was doing. Buy or sell Jalen Hurts' comments towards the media. 
Um, or was this a way for him to posture and position himself against a coaching staff that he feels like he's lost favor of? I kind of think it's the latter. Um, yeah. I, I, I'm not a huge fan of it. I don't really know how Alabama offer or you know, handles their off-season protocol. Just about every program I'd ever been involved with, obviously, never been to that extent. But you know, you, you have your season. You have an exit interview with you know your coaches, your position coach, stuff like that. Kind of get a gauge on what you did well last year and what they're kind of looking for in the off season. And after that, it's kind of like we'll we'll check in with you in summer workouts and all that off season workouts. But we'll we'll see in July. We'll see in August. And I don't think there's Jalen Hurts has this right to constant communication from his head coaches, his coaching staff about you know how he's doing and all that stuff. Go to practice. Go to spring ball. Perform. You know how you're doing. You know how he's doing. Worry about your own stuff, take care of business, and then when August camp rolls around, that's when you'll start knowing more. Yeah, I, I really think that Jalen Hurts saw his life change in, in about two quarters uh, back in January when he lost control of a football game. He kind of lost control of his fate a little bit. Not to say that Jalen Hurts was going to be this big, bad NFL quarterback, but if you're not the starting quarterback for – Alabama or otherwise division one and you think you're going to the next level your chances of going to the next level in a decent round pick have really gotten have taken a shot to the chops oh, yeah. now and this isn't to say that we that we aren't going to see Jalen Hurts this season I think that you still see a lot of Jalen Hurts this season I'd I do not like his comments I'd be shocked I'm with you go ahead. I, I'm sorry I do not like his comments I, I do not like and he's a, maybe he's an emotional kid we all can be from time to time, but at the same time, you need to still pretend or still portray the idea of being the quarterback of Alabama. And this is not something that the quarterback of Alabama would do. Now, whether it's him or Tua Tagovailoa, however, if I'm saying that, I don't know if I'm, hmm, if close I'm saying that properly. I thought that was pretty good still. Uh, we'll know the name sooner or later, but... If one person is not going to show favor to either, it's Nick Saban. Nick Saban is going to trot out the quarterback that gives him the best chance to win on a week-to-week basis. And I say that because when you look into Nick Saban's eyes, there's not much soul there, okay? Like, this is purely a man concerned with winning and not the emotions of his football players. Now, does, does you know, handling those emotions become part of a 13, 14, 15-week quest for a national title yes you do have to manage big time emotions but when it comes to preseason offseason emotions making sure that everyone feels loved i don't know if nick saban's your guy okay yeah i don't think that's uh that's exactly nick saban's uh, cup of tea whatever his best role but i i I just i don't get the whole complaining through the media i don't really get what it accomplishes just I, i go Go to work, put your head down, you know you're going to play. Like you said, you know Nick Saban's going to do what's best for the team and give the team the best chance to win. So even if you're not out there starting week one against Louisville or whatever, you're still going to have a chance at some point. Two is still, what, now going to be a true sophomore, but he's only played two quarters, two real you know quarters of football. Yeah, his entire never started career. a game. He's going to struggle. He's going to have his ups and downs, and you know Jalen Hurts is going to be, the, he is the steady hand. He's 26-2 and two at Alabama. They're not going to hesitate to go to him if he doesn't win this battle to, to give him a shot and say, hey, right the ship. So just, I know it sucks, but, you know, sit there and kind of wait your turn and go do what you do now in camp. I guarantee you Nick Saban's not too thrilled and that complaining in the media about, you know, oh, I'm not, I don't like the way I'm being treated isn't going to help your cause with Nick Saban because he's going to see that as a sign of mental weakness and just weakness. Yeah. And, and, and honestly, 
I could get under center, get the steps right, and run outside zone for Alabama, and we'll probably get to a pretty decent bowl game still. So I don't know um, about that, but, Joe. I think you're watching. Yeah, I, I think so. I think so. <laughs> I think a little play action, a little play action tight end pass. Why did I just hear John Cena's intro music? That's been my ringtone since eighth grade, Joe. Never change. <laughs> I, I actually think we've gone over this on the pod. Never change. So, uh, I think you need to change it before I hear it, it again. Will never change. Hit- why don't you hit me with one, man? I, I just threw the phone on vibrate, and now I will ask you my question. Uh, Vegas over-under totals in the NBA came out. Uh, they got the Bulls at 27.5. Joe, are you buying or selling the Bulls going over 27.5 wins? Um, I'm going to sell the Bulls going over 27.5. Interesting. I think they're still going to be under 27.5. These, they usually, Vegas usually gets the numbers uh, pretty spot on. And these numbers are usually designed to intrigue the better to be low enough to bet the over, but to be high enough where there's still a strong, strong possibility that the team goes under. So my thought process is always lean under because these lines are built to entice, not to uh, in, not to encourage betters to go low. So I'm basing this purely off of what Vegas knows because it's far and beyond what I know about this Bulls team next season, what either of us know, what most people know. So I'm leaning towards Vegas and gaming the game. I'm saying under the 27 and a half. See, I wanted to go over, but I, I, I like my fear was like once I thought it was so easy, I kind of had your line of thinking there that no wait like vegas it's supposed to look easy it's vegas wants me to think this but the same like vegas knows that fred hoiberg's not a coach that's going to get you 30 plus win the east is terrible and the bulls aren't like the roster isn't nearly as bad this year and they're actually going to try to win some games the east okay i think that the narrative of the east being terrible is a little bit overblown because yes it is still of the two conferences a bit deficient, most of the talents on the other side. But you're still going to run into teams like Boston, like Philadelphia. I mean, Cleveland is a different animal now, but Cleveland is still going to be a divisional matchup with a Kevin Love. And and you got Decker out there shooting now, just got shipped over there. Not to say they're a great football team, but the Bulls are really, really bad. Every team that the Bulls encounter in the Eastern Conference, aside from a few, they're going to be underdogs. I just I, I agree with you there, but at the same time, like none of these games are are I see as unwinnable games anymore. Like last year, you knew the Bulls going to Boston, Bulls playing Boston. Yeah, they're they're probably not winning that Philly. They're, That's they're pretty probably, unwinnable next year. I don't Matt. I don't really like I I think these games are a lot more stealable because, like you said, like these teams don't have that elite star power in the NBA. I'm not saying the Bulls do, but I'm saying that makes those teams more prone to getting beat by a team getting hot. I I. I I, I just, mean, Kyrie, I think, Kyrie, I think Al the Bulls Horford are going to be better. And, okay, Al Horford's yeah. a very nice player. Al, For- please don't call him a star. He's he's not a star anymore. Yeah, we don't he's need not. to call him a star. But they have they have the semblance of a team. I'm, what 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 is the what are the Bulls trotting out next year? I'm not, Laurie I'm not, and a publicity stunt in Jabari Parker. Well, you're is hoping, Denzel you're, Valentine going to turn the corner well, next you're, year? You're hoping Zach Levine is, comes back healthy and actually after having a full season to rehab and repair that he's a lot better. You're hoping Chris Dunn takes. I'd put step. Zach Levine. I'd put I'd put Zach Levine in the same star power pool as Al Horford. I didn't call Zach Levine a star. I just said you're hoping. So my he comes point back. is my point is they're a really bad basketball team that's not going to win twenty seven and a half games. To answer your question, sounds like we got to bet on this. So I'll, I'll bet the house on it, Matt. Well, you don't the, know the house. 
They're really bad. I rent a beautiful condo. Okay. So, so if the so, Bulls win, if Bulls win twenty eight games, I get to live in your you, condo. You get to make no. You get to make one of my payments. That's <laughs> okay, I can do that. Oh, we'll, we'll, come up, we'll, right. we'll come up with a mayor's bet by opening night. Sounds good. I'll uh, right. I'll wear I'll wear the uh, I'll wear the jersey of your native city or something like that. And my native and, city is your native city. And that doesn't work then, huh? Yeah, it doesn't work. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. figure it out. I'll make you. I'll find. I'll figure something out for you. All right, we're going NFL for the next buy or sell, Matthew. Buy or sell. We have seen the peak of Aaron Rodgers. Reports coming out of Green Bay's training camp that Rodgers is growing increasingly frustrated with his young receiver core, uh, his security blanket of uh, Jordy Nelson out here in Oakland, uh, already looking like a, a perfect fit amongst that receiver crew. Uh, buy or sell, Aaron Rodgers has peaked. We've seen the best thus far. You know, I, I want to say yes because, A, I'm a Bears fan and hope that he doesn't get any better. Um. And also because, like you said, he kind of doesn't have that security blanket. He doesn't have that same, you know, mentality. I feel like he's had all year of comfort that he had with Jordan Nelson with the coaching staff. He seems a little bit more mm-hmm. hurt these days. Uh, but that said, I, I have a, maybe that might be something that actually drives this guy on the field too. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not totally sure yet. I did actually go ahead and read that article about Aaron Rodgers and stuff. And while he was mad with a lot of the young receivers. A lot of those young receivers were running scout and weren't necessarily the ones going to be on the field. He actually had a lot of positive things to say about his, you know, weapons that are, he's going to be playing with on Sunday. But I, I, I'm not. I, I have a tough time believing he can get much better than he's been because he's been the most talented quarterback in the NFL. So yeah, I think we have seen his peak, but I kind of still think he's at it. If that makes sense. he's maintaining a. And not to start using the buzzword, but maintaining an elite level of no, he's top elite. three quarterback in the league. Um, yes, I think talent-wise, skill-wise, it's still all there. But we are talking about a, what, 33, 34-year-old, like something in there, uh, with two broken collarbones and, and a less-than-stellar receiving core. So uh, maybe from a production standpoint, there you go. we've seen. So let me rephrase. The talent's all there. Buy or sell Aaron Rodgers has hoisted the Lombardi, Lombardi Trophy for the final time in his career. Well, I feel like I have to buy that, just as a Bears okay, good. Fan. I have to. <laughs> See, I wouldn't mind him going to, like, Denver and, and winning one. But just buy get or out sell, of town. He, he's hoisted it for the last time in a Green Bay Packers uniform. <laughs> as we get buy. more specific here, buy. Buy, 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 the whole thing. Buy or sell the Green uh, Bay Packers have hoisted the Lombardi Trophy for the last time as a franchise. Buy. <laughs> Sell if we're betting. We're not actually betting, Joe. All right. Hit me. All right. uh, I'm going to stick with the NFL theme. Go a little bit more more pop-culture-ish for you, though, in the NFL. You buying or selling the Browns on Hard Knocks that debuted on uh, HBO last night? I didn't have a chance to check it out, but I I heard some good things. Uh, Buy or selling the Browns on Hard Knocks? Um, I'll buy I'll buy the Browns on Hard Knocks just because I'm such a fan of Hard Knocks. I watch Hard Knocks for the narration. I forget what the man's name is that does it, but uh, it's Liv, always Liv, Liv Schreiber. Is it Liev Schreiber? Liev Schreiber. Yeah. Okay. Well, Liev Schreiber does such a good job, and it doesn't sound like Ray Donovan. He goes into his narr his narrator mode. Like he's he's really really good. So that's he could be narrating anything, and I'll watch it. But I'm always tuning into Hard Knocks. You got a couple built-in storylines here. Some years there are franchises that don't really have. Uh, much to be excited about, but you got Baker there trying to find his footing. Jarvis Landry uh, coming out screaming and yelling and and tr- trying to get this 
Brown's project turned around. And I think it'll also be an interesting peek into the reality of Brown's football and that franchise Mm -hmm. just to see some of those deep seated dysfunctions. Like regardless of you bring who you bring in, you're going to win three games and you're going to be terrible. Like you could have Josh Gordon, you could have all the edge rushers in the world. You could have a bunch of first round picks, trot them all out there, but there is a deep seated dysfunction in Cleveland. And I think we're going to get to see a little bit of that as this hard knocks builds out. Yeah, I, I, I'm excited about it too. I'm excited to see the first episode for all the reasons you mentioned Baker and Jarvis. I actually too remember when the Bengals were on it, however many years ago, and Hugh Jackson was the offensive coordinator there. Yes, I liked Hugh Jackson. I thought he was a fun character to kind of to watch. He, was, he wasn't on it as much because he's the offensive coordinator, not the head coach. But I'm I'm also kind of excited to see him and you know how, how the team responds to a head coach with a one in thirty one record in two years. Mm-hmm. Be interesting to see for me. But I, I'm, I'm with you. I'll buy that as well. Yeah, um, it should be fun to watch. Uh, already, I caught a couple minutes of yesterday's while I was cooking dinner, but didn't want to. want to watch it. Uh, last night we did a little lemon, little basil lemon chicken. Oh. It, it was nice. It was a nice, healthy, light chicken for for an early week uh, meal. You know, we start getting heavier as the week goes on. That's oh, you, you got to. I feel like it, yeah. we just we just let our hair down a little bit. We get into our pizzas, our pastas, our cheeseburgers, those okay. sorts of things. I like that. Yeah. You got to stay lighter we, early on. You got to stay mobile. Yeah, we like to, we like the fr- we like the front load with. Uh, a lot of short grains and um, a lot of greens and, and a lot of chicken. That's what we go front end with that. Maybe some fish here or there. Nice Can't, piece of white fish. Uh, I love a nice piece of fish. Are you a salmon guy? I like salmon. Love some salmon. Uh, if I'm going like super light and want to just cook up a couple quick pieces, a little bit of tilapia. Yeah, that's that's we'll usually the go-to, I feel like. Tilapia. We're getting out on the grill. We'll grill up a little swordfish. Swordfish grill. I'm not a big nice. fan of the, the swordfish Ooh. or the tuna route. I don't, I don't, Love it. Do, I don't Love really it. like it. I, like, I don't really like the taste. Love it. Just go down to the fish hatchery and get yourself a nice, get yourself a nice tuna steak. All right, let's move on, Joe. <laughs> Uh, I think, uh, is it me? Your turn. All right, uh, get a little off the beaten path here. Uh, It was announced that I believe this October, Conor McGregor, Khabib Khabib Nurmagomedov will be fighting. I still can't pronounce his last name. Nurgin Amenov. Okay, I believe it. I'm trying to have you do it. You're you're hostile and rude today. Do it with me. No, not now that you're pressuring me. Khabib Nurmagomedov. I believe you. I don't even know if I'm saying that right. But uh, Connor getting back into the octagon for the first time in over a year. The last time we saw him, I believe, was uh, about a year ago in his fight with Floyd Mayweather. Uh, there was obviously the saga of him throwing the dolly through the window. Khabib was on that bus before his fight. Khabib is a Russian-born killer who was known to train and wrestle with actual live bears in Russia. This is not folklore. He used to wrestle baby bears um, in his native oh, land. baby so, bears. That's nothing big. <laughs> like, I think a baby bear weighs like 180 pounds. That's yeah, nothing. Okay. Nonetheless, the lore around Khabib and his uh, his effectiveness as a mixed martial artist is is nothing short of far and beyond the toughest matchup that Connor's going to have throughout his time. I think in in mixed martial arts in the octagon with the UFC. Obviously, we love the the Nate Diaz rivalry that's built there, and I don't think we've seen the end of that. But this is going to be Connor's toughest test, especially coming off of. What's going to be, I believe, sixteen month, 
hiatus once he gets to fight night. Buy or sell this fight, and I'm talking about literally. If it's on pay per view, are you buying the pay per view? I will. Def- you, I will definitely. Are, are you buy the interested enough? Are you interested enough to buy the pay per view? Not seek it out. Not go to a bar. Not split it with people. Pay the fifty five dollars to watch Conor fight Khabib. Well, you know, I will buy it and invite people over and suggest if they want. to. Yeah, but our friends are deadbeats. That's true. <laughs> um, I, I will bring I, beer. Bring pay in beer. I will definitely buy the fight. Uh, I, I'm not someone who's going to buy every UFC pay per view, but when you got the two big names like exactly. these two are, you got the big fight. I, I'm usually a sucker for buying it, and I usually end up liking the whole thing, not just the one fight. But I mean, it, it's the biggest name in the sport back inside the octagon against you know the built-in rivalry that you know totally this wasn't staged and this wasn't uh you know orchestrated by dana white at all this was totally all real um but they finally have their their big matchup their big you know the 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 big fight ufc's been looking for since what last time connor was around yeah it seems like they finally have that and i'm very excited to see i'm very excited to see connor back in it i've never seen khabib fight so i don't really know to what to expect from him Mm -hmm. from all accounts he's he's very good and like you said he's a very tough kind of a badass type fighter but so is Connor. So it should be two massive egos and two great fighters going at it. That should be a lot of fun to watch. Who actually you legitimately see, hate each other. Did you see how they announced the fight as I did well? Not. I okay, just saw so they just kind of they had the UFC had their normal press conference to announce UFC 230. Nate Diaz was supposed to be the big name, the big fight in this. Uh, I forget who he was fighting. Uh, he's fi- he's fighting Dustin Poirier, and that was supposed to be like the big time, big draw. And then they said, oh, and right at the end of the press conference, like press conference over, Dana comes up to the mic, one last thing, Connor and Khabib will be fighting on October or whatever. And Nate lost his mind, threw the mic, walked out, said, I'm not fighting. That's like, awesome. They completely took the show from him. So uh, it, it, even even though they're not fighting, it furthers the animosity between Nate Diaz and, uh, and Conor McGregor. So Yeah, that's one I hope we get to see uh, around three. We saw the first two, right? Nate won the yes. first, Conor won the second. We didn't really get to see yes. the third because Conor went to boxing. Yes. Uh, yeah. And if you, haven't, uh, if you haven't caught that Conor McGregor documentary yet, it is so fantastic. It's one of the better sports docs. I'm not saying ever, but one of the better ones that I've watched in recent memory. Where, and where, where can I watch this? This, I believe, is on Netflix. It's called Notorious. It is Conor McGregor's documentary. And what's amazing is he's had camera crews following him since day one, since like the early 2000s when he decided he wanted to become a professional mixed martial artist, a professional fighter like this. And to see, his, like to see his cataclysmic rise from where he was fighting in jeans and back alleys to um, the, the Diaz two, I believe it goes up to. Um, so kind of the high and low of, of his Diaz situation too. It, it's, it's fantastic. Um, it's really good stuff. I recommend that uh, for some, for some easy viewing on Netflix. A little bit off time, not off topic, but it's still, still talking about Connor here. I was, I think it was Barstool I was scrolling through the other day. Apparently, when when Conor McGregor wants to go shopping, he has Gucci and Versace will pack like a bunch of stuff into vans and drive it to Conor's house, and he, that's how he go, he does shopping. He doesn't actually have to go to stores. Well, of course, they just bring him vans full of stuff. I just found that <laughs> awesome. I, like that's where I want to get in my life. I want to go shopping. You come to me. You like bring that. me a van with you, all of your things, and I'll tell you what I don't want. Yeah. Oh God, that would be nice. It must be nice to have Matt. boxing. All I need to do is fight, is one one big boxing match. One big Matt, fight. You're, you're changing. 
I thought that uh, I thought that the idea of shopping, even personal shopping, would make you skittish. No, I'm fine with it. You bring it to me, I'm totally fine. It's more yeah, difficult. Yeah, you make it that easy. And, I got to get up and go somewhere and park. That's a good it's, point. A, it's a whole thing. It's a whole big thing. Yeah. Nobody, nobody All right. has time for that. Is it my turn now? Yes, I believe it is. All right, I'm going to go. Uh, I want to go California versus Chicago here with you on this question. Okay. This one's been weighing on me for a while. Uh, I, I need you to buy one and I need you to sell one, Joe. Portillo's or In N Out? Which one you buy and which one you sell? Because you're a Cali kid now. There's no doubt that I, I you're am. out there. You're, you're a California kid. Just you're also a Chicago show, boy. Just to show how well versed I am in this. I, I most recently had Portillo's three weeks ago when I was in Chicago. Yeah, when and you planned your trip recent, home around the time I wasn't home. Mm-hmm. And I most recently had in and out yesterday before a round of golf. So How'd you play? Um, I played well. I actually, nice. 79, 79 was in my sights, and I just folded like a cheap lawn chair down the stretch. Been, been there, uh, right? shot, shot an 81. Um, nice, nice course. Uh uh, Empire Ranch. Shout out to the good people at Empire Ranch for getting me out there on a twilight raid at noon. Shout out to my guy Rich in the pro shop. But uh, it, it was it was a fantastic round and finished bogey, double bogey, bogey for the eighty one. Oh so, God, Joe. Um, we're not going to talk about it. We won't. We're talking about Portillo's. It's the it's the toughest stretch on the course. We're you know what it was? It was you, you had that in and out was sitting a little bit too heavy in your stomach. I think. I think no, I actually felt it. like. I, I, I might have worn off like the in and out high. Like I had a, oh, I had okay. a buzz, I had a buzz going, but if I, I I'm buying both right now, I'm going to let you know. I really enjoy no, both. That's, that, that again, that's, I, I know both are fantastic, but like you got to take one over the other. I had to phrase it in buyers. I think terms. strictly out of strictly out of ver- for versatility's sake, I'm going Portillo's because okay, you can, you can get so many things at Portillo's and I do vacillate when I go there. I usually go and now you're going to make fun of me, but the, the uh, no, chopped gonna, salad I was is so good. Word of the week. Vessel. I go back and forth. I okay. go back and forth. Is that what I, I shift from one to the other. Thank you. And I can, yes, I can confirm that, that I'm not misdefining or uh, improperly defining a term. I believe like you. I week. just needed to ask. But no, I bounce around when I go to Portillo's. I usually won't go uh, beef. That just seems like sacrilege being a Johnny's disciple. So, um, I, but I'll go, I'll get a hot dog some days. Um, usually I don't touch the burgers, but the like, bur- I love the burger there. I'm a big fan yeah, of Portillo's. That's okay. If you're, if you're asking me buy or sell the better burger in and out by a long, by a long shot, I would probably in buy in and out. I wouldn't say it's by a long shot, but I would take that burger. But overall I'm with you. I think you can get, you, you can do a lot more at Portillo's better burger than Portillo's. Yeah. But yes, you can do more at Portillo's. I'm buying Portillo's. Can't say no to that chopped salad. Uh, can't say no to a chicken Sammy. Can't say no to uh, to a lot of things on that menu. I still, I'm with the tamale. Oh, can't say no to a Portillo's tamale. tamale. Love I the tamale. Do, I don't usually get the beef there, but every once in a while I will just because, A, I like that they'll throw some cheese on there for you, which, which Johnny's, as much as I love Johnny's, will not do. But also, I, yeah, I just, you're not supposed to put cheese on well, Italian beef, man. You can. You, you can, but you can also put glue on top of your Italian beef. Joe, I mean you're supposed to. I love cheese. Sue me. Um, <laughs> And I, I, I like the it, – it's it, by, again, it's not the best beef in the city like that. I know everybody says, you know, if you're going to Chicago, you got to get a beef from Portillo's or Al's. That's just not true. But yeah. it's a solid beef sandwich, and they give you a lot. That's a big beef sandwich they give you, and I do enjoy that. I, I, I like the size there. Oh, you had me thinking there, um, you know, coming to Chicago, having to try the right things. Have you? Did you catch the bar stool uh, ratings of – I uh, did the pizzas across town. I was fine I thought, with it. I thought. I thought. So was I. I thought Portnoy was pretty generous with his ratings too. 
I you know, people I think were a little bit surprised. I think he went Giordano's a little bit over Lou Malnati's, but I, I can see that by like point something. Yeah, it was. Um, it was I was actually very. I agreed with his Geno's East rating, given like a six or whatever. Yeah. I think Geno's, Geno's it, is trash. It's, it's not. It's fine. It's not bad because the sauce pizza, in there. But it's just it, there's it's it's very bland to me. I'd go Gino's to Geno's East very Blues or Pequods before Geno's East. Actually, and never had Pequods. It's, I still have it's, a, it's its own thing, so yeah. it didn't surprise me that he was a little lower on it. But between kind of your classics, your Lumalnatis and your Giordano's, I feel like he was so high on Giordano's because it was, I don't know, his first time trying mm-hmm. deep dish that he set that bar a little too high, and then he didn't want to go over it with Lumalnatis regardless of how much better it the was. The one thing you I know, do so love. The one he thing kept it a little under the it. The one thing for me, at least, that gives that – it, you know, from time to time, gives Giordano's the edge over Lou's, and I'm not saying I like one better than the other. I love both; they're different. They're not the same pizza. It's like so picking it's, the, picking your favorite child for you. Yeah, exactly. I love <laughs> I love them all equal. Sometimes I want to spend time with one and not the other. Um, Giordano's really does load their up with cheese a little bit more, and I, I like that. I, I'm big. I, I yeah. want as much cheese on my pizza as you can possibly put on there. See, that's that's where I like Giord. Like, if we're sitting down, I like Lou's better in any situation but if i'm sitting down at the restaurant that's where i like giordano's because it's, it's the hot pie straight mm-hmm. out onto the table piping hot there's so much cheese that you get that little coagulation exactly. after a while. i, I, mean, I always grab that too yeah that's you're disgusting that's always you're a disgusting me. person that's you're repulsive me. and you should I be like cheese? sent to a psych ward get no because you like cold because you like cold solidified i don't cheese. let it get cold i grab it while it's still hot Joe. <laughs> Uh, we're getting off the rails here, Matt. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna rein it right back in with a simple buy or sell here. Okay, buy or sell. Javier Baez will be named your 2018 MLB NL MVP. I mean, if the season ends, ended today, I believe he is the MVP. Yes. Um, okay. I don't know how the rest of the season's gonna go. If if the Brewers go on a tear and somehow win that division, mm-hmm. I think Christian Yelich has a real shot. He's quietly putting up some incredible numbers for them. Uh, all while hitting leadoff, uh, which is, you know, it's hard to produce RBIs yeah. and stuff from the top. But with what Baez does at the plate, in the field, on the base pass, I don't think there's been a player more valuable, especially in a year that Chris Bryant hasn't really played. And Anthony Rizzo, while he's been fine, hasn't really been Anthony Rizzo. Javi yeah. Baez is, I don't want to say put the team on his back because you do have guys like Ben Zobrist having a good year. Jason Hayward's had a bounce back here. It's not like Baez is the only guy doing any of the legwork, but – the, the two big He's bats doing the heavy that, lifting. The two big bats in that lineup are down. Wilson Contreras also isn't quite having the year people expected, and Javi seems to outdo himself every night. So I'm again, I'm not a Cubs fan, but if, if you're if you're a White Sox fan, you say you don't like watching Javi Baez play baseball or have fun with it. You're lying. Um, he's <laughs> he's fantastic. He's fun to watch. He he is a great baseball player, and he has been the most valuable player I believe in the National League this year. Take him off that team. Where are they? Yeah, I'd agree with you, Matt. And I think that his ability to literally play anywhere on the field has really shined through with the way he's played third base. I mean, two nights ago, I made a gold glove play at third base. He never plays third base. And just playing third base, playing up the middle, doesn't matter where you put him. He is, and I've said it before, and I don't mean to drag him again, but he's the anti-Starlin Castro. He plays the game with such a intensity, such a focus that you could – if there was a wide shot, I'd watch Javi Paez like I watch wide receivers pre-snap. Like, just the way he moves out there, how he's always doing something. It's fantastic to watch, and I do hope that he can sustain this and that his hard work is rewarded with uh, with a Most Valuable Player award this year. But 
you got me thinking there. I, I, and I know I don't know it offhand. And I'd be amazed if you did. Who was the last leadoff hitter to win a win a Most Valuable Player award? That's a great question. Um, was I'm trying to think? Was didn't was McCutcheon hitting leadoff in Pittsburgh when he won it? In I don't think so. Wouldn't he have been hitting three or four? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I would have I had to so. gone back to like. Ricky Henderson or something like that. Something Honestly, like that. if I was thinking, yeah. I, 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 off the top of my head, I have no idea. It's a great question. Do you not know the answer? Put it in the, put it in the Wayback Machine. No, no, no. I, I don't know the answer. So, Matt, what I'm going to have you do is look it up. You know what I can I do? I, you're probably gonna look not going to do put, that. I'm gonna, but I'm going to put ice in my cup right now, and you're going to complain about it. So um, I'm probably not going to do that. What I can do is that when I get to work today, I can ask the uh, the, the cruncher, Chris Camp, if he can. What is going on? Camp, I just told you I'm putting ice in my coffee. I didn't know you were like – Ice machine, Matt. I told you it's a pretty nice condo. Why don't you, you know, open the freezer and just reach some, reach your hand in there and grab some ice instead of making what am I a noise. caveman? <laughs> but yes, you're going to have to uh, refer to the cruncher. On I'll that see one. if I'm the sure cruncher can help us out there. Camp go no, Camp go. Can he help us? He'll know that offhand. Yeah, but uh, I'm sure he will uh, double check across Baseball Reference and multiple multiple other stat platforms. You that's know, why we love interesting. That's why we from, love the cruncher. Interesting baseball tweet from he, from him earlier today. I think I retweeted it. Was uh. There are three players, I believe, to have 30-plus doubles and 20-plus homers in each of their five, five uh, first MLB seasons. That's Ted Williams, Albert Pujols, and now one Jose Abreu. So it's I know a, we, we've touched on it from time to time, how underrated Jose elite. Abreu is in this podcast. Yep. He's, he's doing some special things on the south side. Yeah, and uh, hopefully it can be a piece that stays around and this team... Certainly seems like it will be. Yeah, but this t- that this team can give him... That that the team's window and his window of greatness can overlap there you for go. more than two for years. For a couple of years, yeah. Is what I'm trying to get at there. Uh, because obviously those windows did not overlap for our boy Chris Sale, uh, who I hope can get right and uh, join this this Boston Tea Party that seems to be uh, on a collision course for the World Series. Well, if they don't do it this year, it doesn't seem like Boston's going to with, uh, with yeah. them there. But we'll see. You got one for me yeah. now? It was my uh, turn. I don't yes, I do. No, that was the Javi Baez one. Yes, oh, it yeah. is your turn. Okay. Um, Joe, I don't know if you know this, but right now on my, my TV screen, I'm watching Jousting. Because ESPN, I, I didn't know that. ESPN2 has decided for 24 hours to air ESPN8, the Ocho type, uh, type sports, from, obviously from the, the classic movie Dodgeball. To mm-hmm. Buy or sell this? Are you going to tune in at all? Are you going to check out and see what kind of sports they got going on here? Because I think this is a lot of fun. I haven't watched ESPN2 in months. But now I'm tuned into ESPN two. It's on ESPN two, not on not on the big channel. No, it's on it's on the sister channel. Okay, then I'm fine with it. Like I'll, I'll buy it. I'm not going to tune in because I got things to do and a life wow. to live. Oh yeah. Um, th- that's not a shot at you. That guy the lives in a ESPN. guy lives in a cool condo and drinks iced coffee. He's got a life. <laughs> we're, we're losing him. Um, Makes but no, for- it, it's no just from from a programming standpoint. ESPN's gotten really gimmicky and. I turn ESPN on for a game and for the six o'clock sports center. That's, that's about it. Um, other than that, there are so many different options to get entertainment programming, sports programming, really just and, better um, options too. better options. And I still love SVP. I still try and catch his one big thing. Um, but, and being, being a sports center purist like myself growing up watching, Dan Patrick and um, and all these other guys watching Kenny Eisen, Maine. watching Kenny Maine, watching Steve Levy, all these guys who 
I personally idolized, it's become something completely different now. And I still idolize those people. So I will wake up in the morning, I'll flip on the Dan Patrick show. I'll transition right into uh, about an hour of rich eyes and while I'm getting emails done in the morning. So I guess it's, it's become a thing where we, or at least for, for me personally, where I seek out sports programming entertainment from certain individuals, no longer from an entity. And, and ESPN Sports Center got so big that it's an entity. And, and I, I'll go there for certain things like SVP. But um, again, that's driven by the individual. That's not to say that if ESPN called, I mean, your, boy, your boy's all ears, okay? Yeah. I, I just want to, that's a full disclaimer. I'm sure, ESPN, <laughs> I'm sure ESPN tunes into this podcast weekly. So maybe not. You don't know. You don't know. Uh, it's free no, on the airwaves. It's on, actually uh, on the on the iTunes true. store, Google we don't Play, and everywhere else you can get po- podcasts. Um, was, uh, oddly enough, I, I had this very similar conversation to what you were just kind of talking about with a couple people at work yesterday. How, like, growing up, I tuned into Sports Center every week because of you know Steve Levy, because of Stuart Scott, Scott yeah. Van Pelt, Kenny Mayne, Dan Patrick, and now I, I think ESPN kind of gambled that people aren't here for them. People are here because we're ESPN and. Be- Seems like they kind of lost the, that yeah. gamble because honestly, yeah. you know, like you said, the only time I ever tune into Sports Center is if I want to, you know, go out of my way to watch Scott Van Pelt, while, you know, watch his show yeah. or watch, you know, what he's got going on after, you know, at BCS. Next I do enjoy. I do out. enjoy some of. I do enjoy. Yeah, his his post game interviews are still the best from studio. Um, he does a great job with that. Every Saturday when he gets Herbie on there, that's must mm-hmm. see to listen to him and Herbie talk a little college football the day that was. But it's not to knock the product that that ESPN's putting out. It's still fantastic. I still really enjoy Matthew Barry, um, Jay Harris, Steve Levy's still there. Like those guys are still doing it big. It's just a matter of tuning into it and, and, yeah. and getting the eyes there. And you know they're they're trying different things. And I know we've strayed a bit from uh, the ESPN the Ocho approach, but you know, this is what happens when you have eight channels across one platform is that you got to fill programming time. And sometimes you're going to watch log cutting and jousting. That's, I mean, that's just what it's going to be. It's also just kind of speaks to what is happened with social media and how people get their highlights. Now, like back when we used to watch sports center with all those guys, we've like, seen the highlights. I, I, yeah. I was going to sports center the next morning, legitimately, legitimately to find out who won the Red Sox Yankees game or legitimately to who find yep. out who won game five of the NBA finals. Now, information Twitter, travels too fast. For, I know for, who won uh, game five of the NBA show. finals the second it ends. Like it, I, I'm well, not tuning in to see that. And that's why, and that's why, you know, people knock these outlets, not just ESPN for their over analysis sometimes, but that's what a studio show has to offer now is analysis mm-hmm. because you can show the highlights, but those highlights have been out on Twitter and on Instagram and everywhere else for the last three hours. Everyone has seen them. That's not what's going to bring eyes here. It's going to be the analysis of it. Now, whether or not people enjoy that analysis or that analysis resonates with them is another conversation, but that's how they're furthering the story, furthering the narrative. So I I don't knock them in that vein for getting a little bombastic with your Stephen A's and everyone else. No. And the best thing that they do, Joe, is college game day. And just remember that we're uh, yeah. just a couple yeah. short Saturdays away from being back with that. That's, that's right. Nice. We're looking forward to it. But even and I'm just thinking about it. You know, that's how I was in, in from a regional standpoint. And your employer, it's it's a lot of people that you feel like you know. You know, you felt like you – and because we work with them, but – even people who didn't have the experience of working with a Luke Stuckmeyer, of working with a Mark Chanowski, a Pat Boyle, a Dave Kaplan, all the guys that have been there and the women that have been there, uh, your Kelly Krulls, everybody. I, I don't know Sierra, but I know her through you know social media mm-hmm. and all the coverage that they do. You get to know the people out here, NBC Sports Bay Area, 
I I follow everyone out here, and you know I've really been drawn to Tom Papa, the guy who covers the Raiders, and but he knows everything about everything out here, and you really get drawn to people, and, and that's that's what's going to make media outlets successful. In the next decade is having good people, and and that's um that's where I think a Comcast uh, NBC Sports Chicago is very very fortunate, you know. Yeah, well said. Yeah. Now Thank let's you. talk Thank more you. sports. More sports. Back into it. Matt, buy or sell? And you can get as messy as you want on this one. Buy or sell? Urban Meyer is the head coach of Ohio State University on September 1st for kickoff against, I believe it's Oregon State. Yeah, man. If you would have asked me this a week ago, I'd have said 100% he's gone. No chance. But the See, longer I, I this no point goes on, that. Yeah. I, well, I, I would say I, I originally thought, you know, it's going to be a two-game suspension and then he'll be back for TCU because that's what Ohio State does. But then more and more deal, details kind of started to come out. The pressure seemed to go on. Ohio State put him on administrative leave like right away. And I was kind of like, okay, he's gone. And then he kind of released that statement and basically passed the blame, you know, passed the buck right up to the AD. And I, I, his statement to me was basically daring Ohio State to fire him, saying, like, yeah. I've said this, I've said my part, I'm going on record saying I did the right thing. I dare you to fire me. And I don't, I don't think they're going to do it anymore. I, I think he's going to yeah. get a slap on the wrist. I think he's going to be – I'm sticking with it. I think he's going to be suspended for the first two games but be back right in time for the big one against TCU. And or give him, give him, that, give him that rough uh, college suspension that players get. Give him that, that you're sitting the first half. Yeah, the, the, the Bobby Bowden suspension. <laughs> you know, we're taking your helmet for the first quarter. And then you, you think about yeah. it. Or Johnny Manziel <laughs> suspended for like the first series against – The first the quarter turns into the first, first drive. First Johnny, game, we yeah. need you to get back in there, yeah. Kenny Hill just threw three interceptions. Johnny, you, you learned your lesson after that first that awful first drive three and out. You're, you're back in. <laughs> but no, oh I, I think he's – now it, it hasn't happened yet. I think he's going to be back. I think so too. And not to make light of what is undoubtedly a terrible situation, wherever you want to pass blame, um, there is a man in the wrong. And I think that, um, you know, these college football coaches – become such deities they become such ideas they're so large and they become and so, bigger than the school themselves exactly and that is that can benefit the school in certain ways but it's a detriment in so many ways and one of them is that when anything under the roof goes wrong it goes to the big man and i don't feel like we're assigning blame and focus to the right place here there's a there's a man who did unspeakable things to his wife Mm-hmm. that has been a footnote to this story. And Urban Meyer has been the headline in the main story, and that's not right in my eyes. Whether or not Urban Meyer was right, that's a different conversation. What I'm saying is we need to assign blame and focus in the right places. And yeah, I think that's I, an individual Meyer, who's guilty of something terrible. If Urban Meyer knew this was wrong and kind of you know kept him on his staff and, and all that stuff, he's absolutely at blame and should be fired and all that type of stuff. But like you said... The, the worst person involved here is the one who did all these unspeakable things to his wife. He, he is yeah. the, he's the main villain and nobody seems to be treating him as such, which is very unfortunate because that's what he deserves. Yeah. Well, Matt, let's, uh, let's keep her trudging before, uh, I'm going to stick with football here. Actually stick in the same conference. Okay. Uh, if that's okay with you, I don't want to make light of the situation by ball. talking on the field, but with all that's going on off the field, off field distractions, not know what's going on with urban Meyer, Michigan kind of having, you know, this is their year to do it if they're going to do it. Is this year a do or die year for Jim Harbaugh in Michigan? If he does not win the Big Ten this year, is he is he in trouble? Um, 
that you're posing that as a question. Can you pose that where I can buy, buy, or, sell buy or sell? If okay. Tim Harbaugh doesn't win the Big Ten this year, he's on the hot seat. Uh, I'm selling it because the only thing Jim Harbaugh has done is turn around a football program that was teetering on irrelevance in the Brady Hoke era. I believe he adopted a five-win or six-win team uh, three years ago, and the only thing that he's done is win, I believe, 10 games and then 11 games in back-to-back seasons. He was a questionable spot away from a college football playoff last year. If he wins upwards of nine games again this year, you're not going to go out and find a coach on the street that's going to get you 11 wins. And you're also not going to go out and find a coach on the street who's going to immediately impart his will into a football program and have you ready to contend for a national title or to contend for a Big Ten championship right off the bat. Jim Harbaugh is still one of the best coaches around. He might be a lunatic, but he's got this Michigan football program back in not only a place of relevance, but a place where they're going to be competing for Big Ten championships and national championships. I don't understand how this could even be a storyline, and it kind of pisses me off that it is. Clearly. This is, well, this is, this is what we do with college football coaches right now, is if you don't win a championship, you're run out of town. And there's no such thing as tenure anymore. Because there are guys who should have lost jobs because they can't win and they can't sustain victories. And there are, there are guys who have lost jobs despite the fact that they are sustaining winning. And I know it's about championships. I know it's about getting to that college football playoff. But unless you let a person build a culture at a place, it's never going to happen. I agree with a lot of the things he said, and I would sell on him being on the hot seat after you know if, if he doesn't win it this year. But I would say if he doesn't win it this year, he's going into next year with a lot of pressure on him. Because I, I know it's Michigan football. He's going in every no, 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 season like, with a lot no, of pressure. No, 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 like actual but pressure, I understand what you're saying. It's job, not a hot not seat. It's a warm seat, whatever. Yeah. I wouldn't say like this year would be the year they you know consider canning him. But if he doesn't do it this year, next year might be his year. Like, well, you, if you don't, you're out, something like that. And it's not for me. Yeah. Like, obviously, he's and done I, a great job turning around Michigan. They, Like you said, they were irrelevant under Brady Hoke for a while. Um, and, and he's flipped that entire thing around. But for me, it's also it's it's the way he's done it because it, it, it's certain schools like Michigan, like Alabama, you do have that one rival, and you have that one rival you're always measuring up to. And if Urban as great as Urban Meyer is, if he finishes this year with another loss to Ohio State in the big game, and they're you know he's zero and four against Urban Meyer, I, I, that's that's going to carry a lot of weight at Michigan. That, that if he if he fails again and can't get them over that hump, there are going to start to be whispers because now he does have his his guys in there. He does have his recruits. He does have his coaching staff. He has everything set up to do what he wants. I'm not saying he should be fired, but I'm saying they're, you know, be on the hot seat, whatever. I'm saying the way that some people, some alumni are going to look at that program, they're not going to see all that. They're just going to see the guy who can't beat Ohio State. Yeah, and and that's what happens when you live in the – Ultra booster era that we live in. I don't in, disagree it, with where you. I'm not saying it's right, but I'm saying that's how it's going to be seen. Yeah, and Jim Harbaugh will always land on his feet somewhere. Oh, and, uh, 100%. It'll, it'll be fun to watch. It's a football guy. It's a football guy. Um, all right. Yes, uh, I have one final buy or sell for you before so we jump in the mailbag here. How about that? Matt, I, and I'm trying to gauge your interest here. So the way that this is worded is – unimportant but buy or sell the pga championship i always feel a little underwhelmed it feels like it falls a little bit flat 
by the fourth major of the season. And the reconfiguring of things next year, I think, will spice it up a little bit. But buy or sell the PGA Championship. Like most majors, I, I was up in the middle of the night watching the British Open. If the PGA Championship was played in the middle of the night, there's no way I'm watching it. I, I mean, I'm, I'm with you there. I'm still going to buy it. I'm still going to watch it. I don't think there's any doubt in my mind that it's, like you said, the, the major with kind of the least cachet to it, the least you know attention you know, that's gonna, I, that I want to give it, whatever. I'd, I, go I don't as think far to say, I'd go as far to say that there's more cachet to the uh, FedEx playoffs now. I think that there's more intrigue and excitement around the FedEx playoffs than there is around the fourth major. Because I, think, I, think of all the guys that have just PGA championships to their this name. This year is going to be different. Justin Thomas, though, Jimmy Walker. This year is uh, going to be Keegan different, Bradley. I think, because you have Tiger in it, though. You have Tiger back competing for me. That's true. I still think but that I'm Tiger saying, goes out and fires pretty, you know, two pretty good rounds Thursday it'll be Friday. Interesting, yeah. You're going to be tuning in on Saturday. You're going to be tuning in on Sunday. So but, it, I mean, it's, I'll be it's tuning in on Saturday relies, and Sunday regardless. It's a major but, that relies more on Tiger, I guess. Yeah, and I just think that even the, you know, the air that you achieve when you win this tournament, as I was saying, your your Jimmy Walkers, your uh, Keegan Bradleys, your uh, Duffners, like yes, it's a major. You're a major champion, but I feel like they're still looked down upon by other major champions. Like, okay, you got a PGA. Great. Where's your jacket? Where's your jug? Uh-huh. Where's your U.S. Open trophy? You know? I, I don't disagree. It definitely holds the least, you know, like we said, cachet to it. But I, it, like you said also, we talked about it a bunch. I think bumping it back and what making it the second major is going to help a lot with it. I think it'll become a lot more of a reason for people to tune in, people to get interested, and now we can kind of have that build up towards the FedEx. On the spot, one favorite, one underdog, for a, oh, man, I don't. Come on. On the spot, low uh, low total. It's going to be low total of your two players. So add up your players total. Can I, can I pull Winter. up the field here so I can look at an underdog? Pull, pull up the field. Okay. Pull up the field. This is great radio. <clears throat> Who's your favorite? Field. I'm, I'm I'll let you take first pick. Uh, I like Justin Thomas. Um, I, I think he, he played well okay. at Firestone, obviously, last week. He's playing well all year. And I just... This seems like his kind of tournament, the the one that's not quite um, in the spotlight, but that's one that's of the really cool. exciting storylines. Yeah, one of the really exciting storylines here is not only who's going to win the tournament, but who's going to be player of the year, who could end up at world number one. Uh, and I think that player of the year largely gets determined by what happens this weekend. I will keep that narrative going by taking Dustin Johnson as my favorite because okay. those are your two main names for player of the year are Justin Thomas and Dustin Johnson. Well, why don't, um, why don't terms, you go with your uh, your underdog guy? Because I still have no idea who I want to take. In terms of an underdog, you know, the name that just jumped out to me is uh, Xander Shoffley. I think I'm going to go with Xander Shoffley as my underdog. Is he really an underdog anymore? Come on, we're going to have you. This. Won't give me Xander Shoffley. Hasn't he been playing fantastic lately? Isn't he like in the top thirty in the world? Xander. Shawfly WGR. Official World Golf Ranking 52. Okay. I'm you know, I stand corrected. I stand corrected. Um, oh no 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 no. Never mind. That was beginning of the season. He has made a move. Yeah. He has like made I a told move. You. He has made a move. All right. Xander Shoffley's off the board. Xander Shoffley's off the board. Well, you know, why, um, why, why, don't we, why don't we keep our favorites? <clears throat> Let's just roll with our favorites. No, because then we're, we gotta we gotta add a we gotta add a bad uh, pick into it. Um, um, I'm gonna go with Hao Tong Lee. 
Hao Tong Lee. I think he's been playing like some pretty good golf this year. I, I, the younger guy, I think he's uh, he's bound for a breakout. I didn't just totally see his name and kind of recognize it and know that he's not in the top. Uh, can I get this uh, Francesco Molinari guy? He's an underdog, right? I don't like you. I'll hang up and let you guys talk. Um, how about Kevin Chappell? I don't know where he ranks. Sure. But didn't, didn't I know he's you? in the field. I'll take Chappell. I like That's a Nike guy. Okay. I, I respect that. I'm a big Nike so, guy myself. I'm taking two goobers in Chapel and Dustin Johnson. You have Justin Thomas and Hao Tong Lee. There we go. Uh, low total for a dozen Pro V1s. Works for me. That's that's Beautiful. usually the best bet. Air shake, air shake. We're air shaking. It's done. All right. Uh, do you have one more for me? Or I we do. I'm, jump into mailbag. I'm going back to going back to Harbaugh. It's going to be a very quick one. You actually kind of already answered it with you when you asked answered what you ate for dinner the other night. You buying or selling Jim Harbaugh's <laughs> theory that we shouldn't eat chicken because it's a nervous bird, Joe. Um, I'm buying it. I'm not buying the thought process. I'm just buying the fact that he said something. I'm buying that that he believes it. Yeah, that's probably true. He's wrong, but but he definitely believes it. He's that much of a crazy person. But like, come on. It's a nervous bird. That's the reasoning. Again, apparently. He Jim makes Har- me a nervous. He makes Jim me a Harbaugh nervous. Jim Harbaugh interacts bird. with chickens. That's 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 your breaking news here. Let's go on to the mailbags. How about that? All right. Bullpen catcher or PGA Tour caddy, Joe? What's your favorite? Uh, what would be the better job in sports for you? Uh, and this mailbag comes by way of Twitter uh, from Twitter, Twitter from uh, from my brother Mike. Okay. Um, so the options were making a living as a bullpen catcher or a caddy. I'm gonna have to say caddy ten times out of ten. Um, if you're going to put those uh, career earnings or that annual salary next to each other, I'm going to say the caddy probably blows the bullpen catcher out of the water. Both of them involve a lot of travel, uh, but I think that the golf travel takes you to some, some more scenic places That's uh, true. Rather, than, rather than to uh, Kauffman Stadium, for instance. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I think uh, toting the bag for one of the, one of the PGA's best would be, would be a good time. It would be nice, too, because of – well, a, the, I feel like the money is a lot – I don't even feel – it is a lot more – Built-in cardio. It's, a, it's, a four, it's four days of workout. Say. Yeah, You basically don't have to work out ever again if you're a PGA Tour cat. You, <laughs> you carry the bag four days a week, and you don't have to work out. That said, Calves like a goddamn soldier. See, bullpen catcher, though, you'd probably build up some pretty nice legs there being in, you know, being in the squad all the time. You'd get some leg strength. You're just kind of hanging out in a bullpen with some professional athletes all the time. And while maybe you're like not that. the one making a lot of the money, you're going to be spending a lot of time with people who do make a lot of money. So you probably don't have to pay for nearly as much because they know you're just the bullpen catcher. You're not making as much as them. So there you go. I think both of them are uh – I mean, shrink. They're both shrink adjacent. You both. You have to be. You kind of have to be a therapist in both situations. Yeah. Um, the bullpen catcher, not as much as your everyday catcher, but you're sending them out there. You know, you're you're sometimes the last guy he's talking to before he goes out there to get three outs. Um, that, that's a tough situation. You got to keep. Got to keep everyone in that pen a little bit loose. I think that's your job. I think there's a lot of cleaning up of cups. You know, guys miss the garbage pan with cu- garbage can with cups. A I feel lot like in, I feel like they got baseball. a guy. I feel like they got a guy for that. I think the bullpen catcher is the guy yeah, in the bullpen. Uh, I don't know uh, if there's a bullpen manager. I think they got so. A guy. Uh, might have to pick up some dirty work. There are uh, there are drawbacks to both of them, but yeah, I'm uh, I'm walking around with a bag on my shoulder. That's uh, that's how I'm going. All right, we'll go one more mailbag here, Joe, and then we're going to shut it down. Uh, this is a mailbag from myself because I saw an article yesterday and I liked it. 
Um, we have we did we did get a couple more that we're going to save for next week because we uh, we like to save these mailbags for as long as we can. Um, Joe William Carlson, you know the, the the Vegas forward center who broke out for forty goals last year, big forty goal year mm-hmm. after doing nothing with Columbus. He signed a kind of a one year prove me con- prove it to me contract at five and five and a half million, I believe it was. And nice. he was asked what the first thing he bought was. He said probably go out and buy some nice socks for my suits because I get made fun of for not wearing socks. Okay. So, uh, I like it. what, what do you think about that purchase? And what you, you sign a one year, five and a half million dollar contract tomorrow. What's, what's the first thing you're going out and buying? Um, I like, I mean, obviously you, you want the baseball money, you want the basketball money, you want the big one year, but, it's uh, not, but five and a half million, ain't five nothing and a half, to at, all right? nothing, to, nothing to really scoff at. Um, the first thing I'm going out and purchasing, can I can I pay off my student loans or do I have to go out and buy something? Okay, if you want to do that, make make your student loans <laughs> the second thing you, you buy because you're not gonna that's not gonna be the first thing you do. Okay. Um, Come on. I probably go out, I find a good fund, I put like three three point five in a fund and just let that interest you know, get get a get a nice return. A fund, you know, a safe, something frugal, something uh something low risk that, that's really gonna turn some profit over time. Um, but then I guess purchase wise, splurging wise, you know, cars are depreciating assets. Uh, it's not smart. You know, I'll probably go buy a piece of property somewhere, buy a little, buy a little land, buy, buy a nice house somewhere, buy a, you're buy a so nice apartment boring. in the this city. Is, I, you're the I'm not last, boring. I'm you're fiscally the last, responsible. You're literally Matt. the last I'm fiscally person. responsible. You're the last All right. You know what I'll do? I'll go out and buy a black on black G wagon with 22s. Is Thank that the you. answer you want? Yes. That's okay. what I was looking for. There you go. We both know and make sure it's do. got the Bose sound system. Yeah. Yes. After, after I invested in real estate and a safe phone. No, I think the first I thing might go out and get myself the car. You got to go buy the car. It's the car. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, when when you blow out a knee and that five point five is the last money your family ever sniffs, and you know what, Joe, if five point five is the you're last signing money I sniff pucks, the rest of my life, you're signing pucks okay at Shabona Park for the next fifteen years, trying to pay for private schooling. Joe, I'm not saying I'm not investing the money at some point. I'm saying the first thing I buy is probably a car. Okay. Okay. Down what car? Over there. What car? Oh, <laughs> Sorry, you know. I just had a flashback to a previous life where I was an underappreciated hockey player. Yeah, I, I can tell. <laughs> um, you know, I, I in my younger days, I probably would have said something a little bit more flashy, kind of like the like a Ferrari, something like that. But I, in these, it's got to be an everyday. It's got to be something saying. you can drive. I also, every, yeah. I also don't. It's going to sound not bad, but make maybe make me sound lazy. But you, you're a bigger guy. Getting into that lower car every day, it's not great. Yeah. It's not great on the back. Not great on the knees. I think I'm probably going Range Rover. Black on nice black range. range Rover. Nice range. Ex- yeah. Respect I think that. that. I think Respect that's what that. I'm going with. All right. So uh, you and William Carlson going shopping for socks in your Range Rover. I would actually buy some nice socks. I do. I'm, I like socks. <laughs> oh, goodness. All right, Matt. Well, I think we've hit it all today. Why don't, you, uh, why don't you play a little music and shut us down? Shut it down. Shut it all down. Shut it down. Shut it down. Houston, we have shut down. I've seen enough. Shut it down. All right. Um... So I think we're both probably both have some some things to say here about this one, but uh, purposely held on to the to the end to, to break this. I'm actually kind of glad we delayed the podcast because now we get to talk about uh, the the life and uh, of Stan Makita, who uh, unfortunately passed away yesterday. Even though he'd kind of been at least since the last five five or so years, uh, it hasn't really been 
with us. He'd been uh, suffering from uh, a form of dementia, hadn't really been himself for five years. His wife has pretty much said from the neck up he wasn't Stan anymore. But that said, uh, he, he had arguably the greatest career uh, in Chicago Blackhawks history. Uh, played over the course of, I think, three decades, 22 seasons. Um, was a captain, his first number ever retired. Uh, from all accounts, as nice and down-to-earth of a human being as you can be. Uh, and, and a true Blackhawks legend that's no longer with us. And uh, it just, even though he, he wasn't really with us, like I said, for the last couple of years here, it, it's still always tragic to see something like this happen. And um, he, he lived a great life, lived a great Blackhawks career, and he is a big reason why the Blackhawks are the Blackhawks today. Yeah, Matt. And, um, you know, just to reiterate your point there, the thing that stands out about Stan, you know, we never obviously got to see him play. We see black and white highlights, but... Um, the thing you always heard was that like he was a Blackhawk through and through, and mm-hmm. it was he was never Black thought Hawks. of anything else. He was the Blackhawks. He played like you said, twenty two seasons from nineteen fifty eight to nineteen eighty. Yeah, just think about the history worldwide that occurred from that point to that point. That's that's our parents' childhoods, their adolescence, mm-hmm. and their early adulthood. That's all of that. It's it is such a representation of what a Blackhawk was supposed to be, of what a representative of the city of Chicago was supposed to be, and that shined through in the early 2000s when they started bringing these guys back and, and shedding light on the lives and the careers that they held, your Bobby Hulls, your Stan Mikitas, your Pierre Palats, when they started doing these hero nights, these... Uh, heritage nights. I, I forget, uh, heritage nights, yeah. that's what it was called. The Heritage Knights really shed a light on these guys and gave us a perspective of history and what they meant to the franchise. And uh, we always talk about the uh, Indian head sweater um, being the best jersey in sports, but it's the best jersey in sports not only from a visual, but from the guys who have worn it, the guys who exalted it and put it on that pedestal, none more than Stan Makita. So as you said, a a life well-lived and one that will be remembered forever and one that will uh, spend eternity in the rafters. And just a couple quick notes here, but I I know people in Chicago know Stan Makita. Everybody here knows Stan Makita, how great he was. But to to reiterate how great he was, he is the Blackhawks leader. He played the most games in franchise history. He was second in goals only to Bobby Hall, leads in points and assists. He is the only player to ever win the Art Ross Trophy, which is lead the league in points, the Hart Memorial Trophy, which is the MVP, and the Lady Bing Trophy, which is a sportsmanship trophy. He's, done, he's the only player to win all of three of those in the same season, and he did it twice. So that, that's thinking about all of the great players, all of the people on you know who've played in the NHL. Stan McKeith is the only one to do that. Um, and that was something that really stuck out with me. I didn't really realize how. I knew he was great, but I didn't know he was, he was that great. And I did have, a, I had a quick story about Stan Makita I wanted to share, it won't take too long. Um, it wasn't me, it was my, my brother and my dad were at the uh, the last game at Old Chicago Stadium and they, the, each of the four jerseys, the rafters at the time, they, they were giving away a, a signed jersey to a randomly selected fan. And Tim was the randomly selected fan assigned to Stan Makita, <laughs> swear to God. Uh, he, he's got the jersey hanging up, I believe, in his apartment. He had it up in our room forever. He's got some pictures with Stan. Uh, Stan signed the jersey and then came up to my brother and said, now you can take off that Ronick jersey, which I <laughs> thought was hilarious. Uh, 
I know. Tim, Tim Any good laugh. reason to take off the Ronick jersey and no. none better than that. And now you can take off the Ronick jersey. And so that, that's always really cool. We've had a, I didn't really get the impact of it until I got older, but I grew up with a, you know, a Stan Makita, signed Stan Makita jersey sitting in my room over my bed for, you know, however many years of my life. So I, was, I took that for granted a little bit and didn't realize till later how cool that actually was. Yeah. Important that we, uh, we remember the, those that came before us and, uh, you know, the path that they, that they led for, for the, Great players and the great leaders of our days. That you're Jonathan Tazes, you're Patrick Keynes, and uh, all of the guys that we've gotten to watch. It is, uh, it is something historic, and it's something that we'll look back on and tell our kids how great they were as well. So definitely, uh, definitely setting a precedent uh, of tradition for the Blackhawks, and uh, we thank Stan for that. And with that, we thank you guys for always tuning into the Moose and Moose podcast. This episode 66 in the books. We will have our college football special coming up Oof, in the coming weeks. I can't Already wait. doing a little bit of prep work on that. Going to be picking some winners, uh, and uh, you guys can fade us as as you please. But uh, as you it's, should. A, it's it's <laughs> it's been a blast, Matt. As usual for uh, for Matt Rooney, I'm Joe Musso here on the Moose and Moose podcast. As always, like it, share it, post it. Send us some more of those mailbags. If we didn't get to them today, we will be sure to get to them next week, uh, likely coming at you at our normal time on Tuesday. For Matt Rooney, I'm Joe Musso. We'll talk to you soon. God give you for every storm a rainbow, for every tear a smile, for every care a promise, and a blessing in each trial. I swear I've seen a lot of stuff in my life, but that was awesome. <laughs> Chicken on the steak was phenomenal.